0: Los Angeles is a megacity in a state of perpetual change, where long-standing neighborhoods are rebranded with new names, and history can be obscured with a new building or freeway. Hello, I'm radio producer Ruxandra Guiri, and I'm Bear Guerra, a photographer. And this is South of Fletcher, stories from the Bowtie. We live here in LA. We're married, and we've been creating audio and photo documentaries together for 13 years. We've partnered with the arts organization Clock Shop to tell a story of urban development, to try to make sense of life in this fast-paced and forever-changing city. This is a story about a quiet sliver of L.A. not many people know about, the Bowtie Parcel, a narrow, 18-acre plot of land next to the Los Angeles River, an empty lot that's full of history and possibility. Chapter 1, Taylor Yard It's 10 a.m. Bear and I are standing at the edge of a large empty lot. To our right is the LA River. To our left, train tracks. The freeway buzzes behind us. Back in the 70s, this bowtie parcel was a bustling rail depot known as Taylor Yard, a place where Southern Pacific diesel trains came from throughout Southern California for maintenance and repairs. We're waiting for one of the men who used to work here, Bob sure, Ramirez. Sure we
1: got that before the light change, so yeah. that's good. But now let's. Um, well, I was yeah, thinking there's some benches
0: right by that. It's a scorcher today, and we're looking for a shady spot where we'll be able to chat and where Bear can take Bob's portrait. There aren't many trees here, so shade is hard to come by. Bob shows up wearing a black baseball cap that says Southern Pacific Lines. He's a tall guy, well over six feet, with jet black hair and a strong build. Still, even in his 70s, he hasn't been back here in 25 years.
1: I traveled that road thousands of times, but there was buildings all the way down and and the, the service track and everything. Now everything is just open.
0: It's open, as in none of the buildings he remembers are here anymore. But during Taylor Yard's glory days in the 70s and 80s, this 18-acre parcel of land was covered by a complex network of train tracks, roads, large and echoey repair shops, and office buildings. Back then, the sound of the trains and screech of their brakes never stopped.
1: What, what uh, was right there is, uh, there was a shop, excuse me, an office, that probably had 100 clerks in there. At that time, the computers had come, come in.
0: And these were huge computers, ones that bust loudly and took up a lot of room. Altogether, between 800 and 1,000 people worked in the train yard.
1: And so you needed the clerks to keep track of all the trains, the train movements, the pay for uh, operating department, which was the in- engineers, the conductors, the crews and that
0: a cargo train is screeching by as Bob speaks. There's a single rail track on the perimeter of the bow tie, a mere trace of the train yard that once was.
1: So there, I guess right past the post, there was that office, big office, and uh, it it handled all uh, operating crew uh, business.
0: Bob's pointing around close to us, gesturing to the one- and two-story buildings in his memory, But all we see are a few Mexican fan palms and a pile of debris where the offices once stood. Bob spent almost 40 years of his life doing electrical work on the trains in Teller Yard. Like many other railroad workers in the 60s, he grew up in nearby Cypress Park, just up the hill from here. When he finished high school, he needed a
1: job. What happened is my current wife, girlfriend at that time, her dad worked uh, at the service truck. He was a machinist. And uh, he said if if I came down, he'd introduce me to somebody and maybe I could get a job.
0: That was it. He was asked to take an x-ray of his back.
1: Because they wanted people maybe with weak minds and strong backs, I don't know what it was.
0: It was actually because working at the rail yard required a lot of lifting, and his bosses wanted to make sure he had no back injuries. Three days later, after the x-ray, he started working.
1: I noticed here, for instance, that there used to be something, some structure here. I don't know if you recall what that would have been, but... Actually, it got a little bit washed out. I have a photo where it's, it's more clearly delineated. Here you can kind uh-huh. of see part of that, but... That, yeah, that could have been part of the office too. And then they had to the left, what they call the car department. They re- repaired uh, boxcars and, and flat cars and things like freight cars. And to the right was a mechanical department. And as you went down further down the right, first thing you came to the structure was a service track. All the employees that worked on those, on those locomotives that came in, they would be in there and they'd get their assignments and they'd go out. I think there was five tracks.
0: One of the employees who used to get his assignments there was Don Tortorici. He worked at Taylor Yard for 25 years, and he hadn't been back since it closed in 1985 either. We met him at what used to be the back entrance to the yard on a windy spring day.
2: Long story short, a friend, a friend, a high school friend of mine, his father was what I was—the general chairman—and and he asked me if I wanted to work, and I said, "Yeah."
0: Don's first job was as a carman apprentice. He inspected, repaired, and serviced railroad freight cars at Taylor Yard. Like Bob, he got the job because he knew someone, but he wouldn't last very long—at least not at first.
2: Bottom line is, uh, I was uh, working as a carman apprentice. Uh, I didn't like it. So I just walked off the job. And, uh, and then uh, shortly after that, you know, there was a draft for Vietnam. It wasn't a lottery at the time. It was like when you turned 18, almost 19, you were, went. You went. So when I got out of the Navy, I came back here. I needed a job. So I came on as an electrician uh, apprentice. And the reason why is because an apprentice had weekends off I got paid less money, but I was going to school on a GI Bill. So I figured I want my weekends off. I'll (laughs) worry about it. Give me the weekends off.
0: Don met Bob at Teller Yard, and the two of them became fast friends. They had both fought in Vietnam and were in their early 20s. So as Bob moved up the ranks in the Rail Workers' Crafts Union, Don was close behind. We're walking. Bob, Don... Bear and I, from one end of the bow tie to another, looking for ruins. Don can't help but reminisce.
2: And then, uh, after what, maybe 10 years or so, I ran for office, and uh, Bob and I were partners running the union.
0: When I hear you so, tell these stories about, about what it must have been like to work here, I kept. Okay. Stop thinking about uh, Modern Times, that Charlie Chaplin movie. I mean, is that a bit realistic? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: No, there's a lot of history here.
0: Modern Times has this very classic scene showing Chaplin stuck between the giant gears of a machine inside a factory. It's probably not what it was like to work inside of Teller Yard. But hanging out with them now... Makes me wish I could have glimpsed this place when it was bustling. Nostalgia for trains and locomotives runs deep in Southern California.
3: My name is David Kosha. I am the archive director for the Southern Pacific Historical and Technical Society. That's probably the best way to introduce me.
0: As an archive director, David basically collects tons of train artifacts. He's surrounded by boxes of books and train models. His personal collection. We're sitting on his living room couch in Pasadena, a big hardcover book in front of us, open to a page on Teller Yard. So, did you witness any of this stuff growing up? Or, no, it's all
3: from the books. I, from the books. I, I was born in 1971, so I, I caught some of the later stuff in the 70s, but uh, yeah, no, this, the steam locomotives long gone.
0: But at one point, David tells me. There were 43,000 feet of track at the site.
3: Actually, I would love to show you another photo, but I don't, it's not in this book. I mean, it was huge. You've got the steam locomotive repair shop um, that was used for the switching locomotives at at that yard. The, The general shops would do all the major repairs, but the little steam locomotives that are switching cars back and forth on the freight trains, they would get their minor repairs at Taylor. Um, So you've got boilermakers, you've got electricians, you've got grease packers.
0: And you've got hundreds of people, most of them men, working class men, who'd be laboring inside Taylor Yard's noisy repair shops for eight hours at a time, almost every day of the week.
3: Uh, In the early days, they didn't wear hard hats or earring protection, so they were probably a lot of old guys yelling at each other because they were deaf. Um, a lot of pounding, yeah, metal working and steam boiler work. That's a lot of pounding and heavy machinery making noise, presses and stuff.
0: Can yeah. you tell me what it must have been like to stand here? Was it just overwhelmingly noisy? Did you have to wear? <laughs> what were the sounds like?
2: I, I was telling her about what we did, the Vietnam veterans, when we came to work here, that we were. A, a lot more vocal than our predecessors and that we you know when we came to work here from from uh, from the war zone <laughs> they were they were uh, running the locomotives in the house right They'd start them and have the diesel fuel inside the facility.
1: The smoke, you know, because half the, the fans didn't work. Yeah, the fans that they had, they had they didn't huge w- they fans work. on the roof,
2: and they didn't use them anyway. And it's so
1: loud though. Yeah. But but the only ones that had guts is, is, is I, I, I guess at that time we were young. Yeah. yeah we'd go in the office. I shut true. that locomotive yeah, down. Yeah, we did. Shut we it did. down. You know. Yeah.
2: I didn't like to talk much, but Bob oh, did.
1: Sh- <laughs> you haven't <never laughs> shut up since you got on the, on the property. What are you talking about?
0: <laughs> yeah. I can kind of tell who had the bigger mouth. <laughs> oh,
1: okay, that's it, But she's going to keep it to All herself, right. so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
0: don't, don't know
2: where that so, at. Gonna stay with
0: me. Don and Bob can joke about it now. But 40 years ago, the working conditions weren't so funny. Not only was there a lot of noise and air pollution, but people got injured easily from heavy lifting and a lack of safety equipment. If it wasn't for the earplugs that Don demanded loudly from management one day he told us he probably would have lost his hearing. But while the workers kept the rail yard running, day-to-day work at Taylor Yard was starting to slow down. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, uh, hearing your history, it feels like almost sudden by the late 80s, how quickly Taylor Yard, having been such an important center, how quickly it closes doors and and, and workers left and the structures disappeared.
1: It's almost like... We heard we started hearing rumors, so we started doing things, documenting all the work we did on. it. Because to to get the protection for employees, you have to show that work was transferred somewhere.
0: So Bob and Don and all the workers under the Crafts Union would take pictures and keep notes of everything they did, and of the changes they were witnessing.
1: So we started every day. We would get printouts of all the locomotives that came in the shops. I'm giving away all the secrets. We used to get printouts of all the locomotives that came in. I had file cabinets full of this stuff in case we needed But uh, no, eventually the company just came forward and said, we're transferring the work. So eventually everybody got protection.
0: The railroad workers got special protection, meaning they got to keep their jobs and salaries while Teller Yard was closing its doors, a drawn out process that took almost five years Most of the workers were transferred elsewhere in Southern California, including Bob and Don, who worked for the company until retirement. What happened at Taylor Yard was happening across the country in the 1980s. New railroad tracks just weren't being built.
1: Mergers and and consolidations and things like that relocated a lot of employees.
0: By 1996, after years of financial problems, the Southern Pacific Transportation Company was taken over by the Union Pacific Corporation. Taylor Yard became an empty shell of old railroad buildings along the L.A. River. Railroad enthusiasts like David Kosha, who volunteered their time to document anything and everything that has to do with trains, rushed to the site before it was demolished.
3: The buildings were still standing, and I found a way to trespass onto the property coming in from the riverside. And I was able to walk around and take pictures. I I saw a security guard, but he sat in his car and he didn't come out. So I was like, well, he's not coming to bother me and tell me to leave. So I'm going to keep walking around and taking my pictures. That was right before they demolished the uh, engine house. Yeah, when I went in there, I think the turntable was still in. They may have removed it out of, the, out of the pit that it turned in, but I think they pulled it out and it was sitting on the ground uh, next to it. But it was sad when I started seeing the pictures of it's coming down. So it's like, like, it isn't coming back. <laughs> Once it's gone, it's gone.
0: By the late 2000s, all of it was gone. The turntable, that's the device that could handle over 200 tons of train cars and was used to change a train's direction as it left the yard. The engine house, the office buildings, the roads, and the boiler rooms. Poof. Gone.
2: And then three on the pits, three pits, right? There was three pits. There was three pits. So you'd think that you'd see more of a... Maybe we haven't gone far enough.
0: Today, there isn't much Bob and Don recognize, except for a gaping concrete lined hole where the turntable would have been. Its walls are now covered in bright bubble letter graffiti from local crews.
2: You you think that's what this is? Uh, Well, I mean, that's the right size. It's a place they
0: no longer know. In LA, history, even recent history, can be easily erased and forgotten. Bear and I, we think the rail workers should be memorialized here. Bob thinks so too.
1: Because everything is being built here, all the housing, all the parks, everything, it was all railroad. It was all railroad, but yet not one mention, not one plaque, not one sign, you know, about, uh, about thanks to the, uh, to the rail workers. This place
0: wasn't seen by most people, certainly. No train passenger would have ever had to set foot here. But Taylor Yard made it possible for the trains that transported people and goods to and from Los Angeles to keep running for decades. It's a symbol of the growth of this city, of its ambitions. But LA has moved beyond Taylor Yard. And for Bob, this place is only going to get harder to recognize. In seven or eight years, even the ghosts will have moved on. That's when the Old Taylor Yard is set to become an urban state park. 18 acres of native plants and trails where a bustling rail yard once stood. Next on South of Fletcher, stories from the Bowtie. Disturbance, or how nature adapts and thrives in a concrete wasteland. That's out in two weeks. This series is produced by Clock Shop and Phonografía Collective. Our editor is Ibi Caputo. Music is from Luis Guerra. Funding comes from California Humanities, the National Endowment for the Arts, and the Wilhelm Family Foundation. For more information and to see Bear's photos, visit clockshop.org. I'm Roxandra Guiri. Thanks for listening.